Well, first of all, if you want to follow along this morning, um, we do have slides available. So those of you online, welcome. You get to see the pictures. Those of you who are here, what you can do is go to Facebook and follow live because the slides will be going along with the sermon as you go, correct? Yeah. So that way, if you want to see the slides, because I got to say there's some good ones in there, um, I think you find helpful. One of the things I want to talk about this morning before we get started is uh, Peggy Jarbo, a uh, prophetic lead, shared with me a testimony, uh, a vision. Well, it wasn't a vision, it was an actual sighting. Uh, they got to see a double rainbow this week. And they got to see it all the way to both ends. And as we were worshiping this morning, she was just reminded of the faithful covenantness of God, that God keeps his promises. So this morning, and I just thought it was timely, this morning we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. I know Pastor Lanny talked about this just a few weeks ago, but he sees things a certain way, I see things a certain way, Pastor Jay sees things a certain way. We all, that's a whole encompassing thing where, you know, God gave us four different Gospels. Why? Because there's four perspectives. Uh, the Holy Spirit, just like God the Father, God the Son, is infinite and has all these different facets to find and see. So we want to share some of that this morning and also the impact it has on our life. So if you are following along online or you're following along here, the Apostles' Creed says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Maker, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about I believe in the Holy Spirit because what we believe affects how we live. It kind of is the the rudder. It sets the course. What we believe sets on where we're going and what we do. It's kind of like when you're riding a motorcycle or when you're in a boat, you know, the little wheel turns the rudder or the stern, whatever that thing is called, and it makes the boat go where you want it to go. When you're riding a motorcycle, you look where you're going. If you're making a big turn, you look where you want the bike to go because if you look at the semi-truck coming the other way, you'll hit the semi-truck because what you look at is where you're going. And what you believe sets your vision. It sets what you are seeing. What we believe we say, what we say we believe, and what we really believe is seen in how we live. Because what I really believe is where I'm going. So I can look at my life and kind of see if I'm following the Holy Spirit. As we get there is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. If that's evident in my life, that means I am setting the course properly. And if it's not, that means my eyes are somewhere else. What I say I believe and what I really believe might be two different things. But what we really believe sets the path for our life. And we're going to talk about, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now that is a big thing. Now I, my background, I come from is that we didn't like to talk so much about the Holy Spirit. Um, you could say, if anybody ever see the movie uh, Uncle Buck? Now, I like how Francis Chan describes the Holy Spirit. He's the crazy uncle nobody wants to talk about, and when he shows up, we don't know what he's going to do. That's why he, we were afraid of this Holy Spirit, because we couldn't control him. And we so desperately wanted to control. But we're going to start with some doctrinal stuff and then get into very practical stuff. 
The first thing is the triune doctrine. Anybody remember what the last words Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew chapter 28? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. God says, the directive I give you as a church, and as individual Christians, is to baptize people in the triune God. So when God the Father says, this is God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we have to take that as a fact. And we realize that, This triune God, this trinity, is this everlasting relationship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The three in one. I happen to be a big fan of the Celtic trinity symbol because I believe it really shows that eternal relationship of the three being united in one. And God is a spirit. We know that because God is a spirit and those who worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. 2 Corinthians 3 says, Now the spirit of the Lord, where now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God is a spirit. You got to worship him in spirit and truth. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But the Holy Spirit is more than just uh, this mysterious thing. He's not like just this force. He's not like Star Wars, right? May the force be with you. You know, it's like kind of sometimes we go, hey, may the Holy Spirit be with you. We, we feel like, you know, it's like this space age thing. But God says that he is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person not just a source of power. And when we think of the Holy Spirit, he's not like... (coughs) Pollen. (coughs) He's not like pollen. There you go. No, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. He's not like pollen. He's not like uh, just this friendly ghost, because, you know, reading the King James Version growing up, it was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. But he's not like Casper, the friendly ghost. He is a person. He has intelligence. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 13 says, So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is intelligent. It's not just this force. It is a person of intelligence. One who manifests emotions. Um, When we talk about emotions, it uh, tells us in Ephesians 4, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has feelings. Again, a force doesn't have feelings. A person has feelings. And also, God says that he demonstrates his own will, which I believe is very, very important. Um, There's all kinds of passages about that. But one of my favorite is, is that the Spirit moves wherever it wills. It's like the wind. What what happened? Oh. Somebody threw me a bottle anyway. All right, I'll take it. Un momento. Thank you. Um, the wind blows wherever it will, and so the Spirit of God blows wherever He wills. That's why He's like that crazy uncle, because... God, the Spirit, does what He wants to do when He wants to do it. We have no control over God, the Spirit. He controls us. He dictates the paths. Now, we can grieve Him and prevent Him from working, which is a scary, scary thought. But He does what He wants to do. He shows up how He wants to show up. That's why if you study revivals, and those of you who don't know what revivals are, it's when the Spirit of God moves upon the church in a fresh and powerful way and revives the church, brings the church back to life. And there's an outpouring of the Spirit, and there's an amazing outreach, and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people uh, trust Christ as their Savior during these times.
The Holy Spirit, he has his own way of doing things. He blows however he wills. And we also see this, that God is here to be a huge help. A help. He is called the paraclete, the one called alongside of us. And the way he helps is seen vastly through a number of his names. Four times. He is called the Holy Spirit 92 times. He is called Comforter, Counselor, Helper, that paraclete, five times. Um, We know that he is a convictor of sin. He's author of Scripture. Somehow that slide got missed, or I fast forward too quickly. But he is also the author of Scripture, because no Scripture is given by inspiration of God uh, privately, but all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Holy men of God, it tells us in Peter, were moved by the Holy Spirit to write these things down. This book is not just an accident. It's not just the thoughts of men. It is moved and spoken by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is also the convictor of sin. He tells us of sin, righteousness, and judgment in John chapter 16, verses 7 and 11. He convicts the world of sin, saying, hey, what you are doing is not according to what God wants you to do in your life. Of righteousness, (laughs) we don't have righteousness of our own. We need the righteousness of God. And of judgment, that God is coming to judge, as we talked about a few weeks ago, the living and the dead. The Holy Spirit brings that about. Now, that is a great news because as a parent, We don't have to be the one who convicts our children of sin. We can share with them what God's Word says and let the Holy Spirit do the convicting. Why? So if you have an unbelieving husband, it's not your job to convict them that they need Jesus Christ and how terrible they are and how often they fail. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. It's not your job to change them. Husbands, if you have an unbelieving spouse, it's not your job to save them. It is your job to live a life that brings the Holy Spirit into the relationship and the Holy Spirit convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit is also the one who seals us. He's a deposit, a seal of earnestness. Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14, it says, In whom you also you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him. We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. The Holy Spirit says, He takes us and He says, back in the day, those in authority would bring their seal upon something when they would make a statement. And then they would make a seal on it saying that everyone would know that this is under the authority of the king This is under the authority of the emperor. This, what has been stated, is true and will happen. And when the Holy Spirit seals us, when the Holy Spirit saves us, he says, you are now a child of God. It is a sealed deal by God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. You are sealed into the kingdom. You can't lose your salvation once you try trust Christ Jesus as your Savior, you are saved. He is also called the indweller. (laughs) Now, a lot of times we get a little creeped out about this one. Anybody else? Wait, the Holy Spirit is what? In me? Um, Anybody else ever see aliens? Right? We kind of get that little creepy feeling that, oh, the Holy Spirit's in us. And it's like, ah. And, yeah, that's not quite what God is talking about here. But he says, you who are ever, who ever, excuse me, in Romans 8, 9 through 11, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. 
the Spirit of Him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. You are no longer dead to sin, but alive to Jesus Christ. This is an amazing transformative thing. Um, A few weeks back, my wife was on a walk, and she was just pondering about the Holy Spirit. And God says, and especially about the Spirit indwelling her. And God gave her kind of a little download. And when she came back and told me, I was like, I don't understand. And she goes, because you're a man. And I was like, I don't understand (laughs) what you mean by that. And she said, God told her, do you remember how it was to be pregnant? And you and that baby are one. And the baby is in you and part of you. And that intimate relationship that you and the baby have is like the intimate relationship that the Holy Spirit and you have now. That relationship that is, we're dependent solely on the Holy Spirit now. And the baby's dependent upon the mother. But just that intimate fellowship. She goes, Steve, you, you don't understand unless you've had a child. You just have to trust me. That it is so personal. And you, when you feel the baby move. Some of us have felt the Holy Spirit move in us. That is similar to what he's talking about. This indwelling spirit dwells in you. In this intimate, life-giving relationship. Because he is not only our indweller, but he is the revealer, the spirit of truth. He reveals things to us, which is wonderful. It tells us in uh, John 14, 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells in you and will be with you. And when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Spirit of God reveals the truth of God to us. And he does it so personally and intimately. He's a revealer of truth. We can know the truth and the truth can set us free because the Spirit of God is in us. And it's very fascinating that truth in John 8, 12, it gives the idea of what is really real. The reality. The reality will set you free. What is the reality? That God the Father sent God the Son to die on the cross for our sins and rose again three days later. That is the truth that can set us free. And the Spirit of God reveals that. He convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment. He reveals these things and empowers us. The Spirit of God is also the the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Christ. And there's several verses about that and the spirit of the lord descended upon christ at his baptism he is also the spirit of life romans 8 2 says this for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in christ jesus from the law of sin and death he gives us life and freedom he's also a witness romans 8 16 The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Again, that intimate relationship like a mother with her baby inside and dwelling. How do you know the baby's there? I don't know. But Kim says, you just know. And then when the baby starts moving, you really know. And then, guys, we don't really understand until we, what, they go to the ultrasound and hear the heartbeat going, Or the more exciting time is when we put our hands on the belly and we get a kick. And we're like, woohoo! That is so pumped and exciting. And the Spirit of God gives witness that we have this new life when we begin to have these expressions of different life in and around us. The Holy Spirit witnesses that we, are, we have life. 
We are also the witness. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And the Spirit also bears witness to us. Hebrews 10.15 He's also the teacher. We've already looked at John 14.26 He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. 1 Corinthians 2.13 And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. That's a lot of stuff, isn't it? You, You won't remember everything I just said. There's no way. I can't even remember it, and I got the notes. But we do know that the Spirit of God is all these things. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, so what? So what if if the Spirit is life and He's a witness, He's a teacher, and He's all these wonderful things, blah, 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 blah. So what? What does it mean? Well, it tells us in Galatians 5.16, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The Bible tells us we are to walk in this life-giving Spirit. An evidence of walking in the Spirit is seen in these things. Anybody ever heard of the fruits of the Spirit? They're found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fruit, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. You see, God says, if this Spirit is really in you, this Spirit of life, this Spirit of truth, this Comforter, this One that's coming alongside, this One who indwells you is really there, there's going to be fruit. When you submit to the Spirit's leading, there is going to be this fruit. There is going to be love. And this is the love of God. This is agape love. This is a self-sacrificing love. If you are a selfish person, and people keep reminding you how selfish you are, you might want to check to see if the Holy Spirit is in you. Because if the Holy Spirit is in you, you know what He's trying to make you? Selfless. He wants you to think of yourself less. Just like Jesus Christ. It tells us in Philippians, he went, he did not think of himself too highly, but became his servant to all. He goes on to tell us, don't think about yourself, but think of others. That's what love is. Love is this selflessness. It's giving ourself to others. And it's a sign that the Holy Spirit is in us. If we are consumed with what we want, we need to check and see, are we listening to the Spirit of God in us? Are we following the Spirit? Do we even know the Spirit of God? And then he talks about joy. This is deep gladness regardless regardless of circumstances. Deep gladness regardless of circumstances. I'm not talking about happiness. You know, happiness is that craziness where people think you just need to be happy all the time. You know, when you come to church, you just need to smile because we're all Christians and we are all just happy, 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 happy. That's not a sign that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a sign that you're in denial and you've got work to do in your life. But it's a joy and a contentment. I have found whatever state I am therewith to be content, Paul wrote. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say re- rejoice. You see, when the Holy Spirit is in us, He can give us peace and comfort no matter what in the world we're going through. That is the promise from God. And we need to realize, if we don't have joy in our life, we need to check, am I listening to the Holy Spirit? Am I listening to what He's telling me? Because the Holy Spirit is going to produce this 
joy. And if I have a lack of joy, I need to check to see what's going on. He also gives us peace. Spiritual well-being that only God can give. A spiritual well-being that only God can give. It's like one of the questions you you might get if you are filled with the Spirit and living in the Spirit is, how in the world can you have peace with all the craziness going on in this world? Again, you're either in denial or you're filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the two is going on. And then there's patience. Man, I just can't stand my kids. They're driving me crazy. What happened to patience? Holding out in the midst of trials and difficulty. The Holy Spirit brings about Patience. No one can make you go crazy when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Kindness. Able to respond to the needs of those who are hurting. If you can look around and your bowels of compassion are not moved, that's a very biblical term, isn't it, in a way of saying it? Your bowels of compassion. Let's go King James there on you. But um, if something does not stir in your gut when you see the needs of other people and you're not moved to pray for them or to actually do something for them, I'm not saying you have this all the time because we can't meet the need of every single person. That's impossible. But if we can go days and weeks, months, Years and we're not moved to do something for other people who are in need, we're not following or listening to the Holy Spirit. We're not walking in the Spirit. Because the Spirit of God brings about kindness. The Spirit of God moves us with compassion. And if we can see people without Christ day in and day out, and our heart is never broken for those who are without Christ, As Christ said, those who are walking about as sheep with no shepherd. If we can look at people and and they don't know Jesus and our heart is not broken. We need to check if we're following the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Because something is desperately missing in our lives. Goodness. Generous action overflowing from this kindness. Faithfulness. A person God and others can rely on. If you are untrustworthy, if people can't take you at your word, Jesus said, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. That means you tell the truth all the time. If they can't depend on you to be a truth teller, you're not walking in the Spirit. Gentleness. Controlled strength. It's having the ability to do harm to people, but you don't use your strength for harm. You use your strength for their good. It's like when Jesus went to the cross. What incredible strength did it take for him to go to the cross? To be beaten, to be spit upon and not react? To be nailed to the cross? To be separated from the Father. I don't even know how that works for that period of time. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is gentleness. That is strength. But controlled. And then that leads us to self-control. To deny yourself and your sinful desires. To deny yourself and your sinful desires. Have you ever said, I just can't stop? You know, like when you eat a Lay's potato chip, right? I just can't eat just one. (laughs) Really? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And you are to walk in the Spirit. When you're submitting to the Holy Spirit in your life... You have self-control. 
That's part of growing up in the Spirit. That's part of this process we're going to look at in just a moment. This God who indwells us, this Spirit of truth, this revealer of truth, this revealer of who God is, this author of Scripture, indwells us and empowers us to have self-control and to change us. It tells us now the Lord is the Spirit in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. What kind of freedom? Well, there's freedom from sin, freedom from death, and there's this freedom to be able to do what God has asked us to do. This ability to have victory over sin. We don't have to do what is wrong. And we, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This speaks to us of the Spirit of God taking the Word of God and transforming us from the inside out. Hear this closely. I know there's a plane right there. Everybody look. Where'd it go? Okay, we're done. (laughs) But when we take the Word of God, the Spirit of God says you see the glory of God. And the glory of God is revealed by the Spirit of God and it changes you from the inside out. The Spirit of God transforms you. I don't want to simplify things to the point where I'm making light of it. But if you're having a struggle changing from the inside out, If you're not in the Word of God, what do you expect the Spirit of God to be doing? The Spirit of God says He takes the Word of God to transform you from glory to glory. He reveals Himself in the Word. If you're not in the Word, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. If you're not in the Word, you're grieving the Holy Spirit and you are putting the brakes on Him working in your life. Now the Spirit transforms us from the same image, one degree of glory from another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And then I want to read to you this passage. 1 Corinthians 6.11 tells us, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. This Spirit, this incredible Holy Spirit, this moving person who goes wherever He wants to go. He says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. There is teaching today that says we accept everybody as they are and we don't expect them to change because that's just who they are. That is doctrines of demons. Because God says when we trust Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and begins to sanctify us. That means He sets us apart. He begins this process of making us more like Jesus and making us holy. Because the verse is right before that. He says in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 6, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral. That means anybody who has sex outside of marriage, if if God's not changing you from that, (laughs) something's wrong. There there should be this change happening. Why? Because nor idolaters, anybody who who puts their trust in anything but God, nor idolaters, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, 
nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Those are heavy words. But God says once you trust Christ, you're not that anymore. You see, a lot of people want to identify themselves by their sin and then their Christianity. God says, no, you identify yourself with me. And such were some of you. He says, that is not your identity anymore. You might have been an idolater. You might have been an adulterer. You might have been involved in all kinds of sexual sin. You might have been involved in homosexuality. You still might be in the midst of struggling with these things. But if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, that is not who you are. And to deny that is to deny the Spirit of God has the power of God to transform us. To deny that, we would have to deny Scripture. We would have to deny the Father. We would have to deny the Son, Jesus Christ. Because in Romans it tells us that we are now being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what the Spirit of God does in us. That's an incredible truth. And that's a hopeful truth. The other type of Christianity says you're stuck. You're always stuck in your sin and nothing can transform you. God says the blood of Christ forgives you and the Spirit of God transforms you and the love of God envelops you. Always. So I ask you this. Some questions to think about. If the Spirit of God is to be doing all these things in this love, joy, peace, patience, and am I, am I an angry person or am I a joyous person? Am I a loving person or am I an unforgiving person? Am I a peaceful person or am I a worrier? And go through all those fruits and examine your life And ask yourself, God, where do I need to abide closer with you? Where do I need to let your Holy Spirit change me from the inside out? And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, but you let what the world tells you you are be your first identity, I encourage you to start identifying yourself first as someone who believes Jesus Christ and is being changed by the Holy Spirit. And if you are a person who you're going, I don't understand any of this, what in the world? I encourage you to do this first. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. For there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved except Jesus Christ. For God so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son, that is Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in Him should not perish. You don't have to be stuck in your guilt, sin, and shame. But you'll have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Will you trust Him as your Lord and Savior? And when you do, the Holy Spirit indwells you. And remember we started with seeing Peggy seeing that double rainbow from the beginning and the end. Our God is a covenant-keeping God and He made these promises and He never, ever changes. Father, thank You for today. Thank You for the truth of Your Word. We ask that You take Your Word, Lord, and may Your Holy Spirit continue to work in us, transform us, sanctify us as we look into Your glory. Change us into the image of Christ from glory to glory in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we believe in God the Father. We believe in God the Son. And we believe in God the Holy Spirit. The three in one. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, Pastor Steve. What a good word this morning. You know, we had a prophetic uh, picture that was shared with us, and I'd love to throw it up on the screen so you could all see it, but I can't, so I'm just going to describe it to you. It's given to us by one of our guys here, Wayne. It's a picture of a hand holding up a white flag. And this came in this morning before the message was preached. And I just think it's so like the Holy Spirit to do this. It says this, it says, Surrender equals freedom. God. Signed, God. Surrender equals freedom. One of the interesting things for us as we think about surrender in the natural. Surrender, you become prisoner of whoever it is you're surrendering to. Right? So I'm giving up my freedom so I can be captive by the one I'm surrendering to. And God's saying, when you surrender to me, you get freedom. Because before, you were in bondage. You get freedom by surrendering to me. The Holy Spirit comes. He shows us where where our sin is, and he says, surrender. Give it up. All those things that Pastor Steve was sharing this morning. Give it up. You can't do it in your strength. You can't free yourself from whatever thing you are identifying with yourself with that is other than Christ. He says, give it up. Surrender. And you will find freedom. You will find liberty in me. When we come to Christ, we have freedom to live in Christ. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. He indwells us. And we become baptized in the Holy Spirit. We are empowered for the ministry that God has given us in the world. The Holy Spirit continues to transform us as we go through our life with Him here. We call that that process sanctification. One of my favorite scriptures is in Galatians. It's 2.20. It says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for me. You know, when we go through the world, like Pastor Steve was talking to us about, We're given an identity by the world. We may be born into something. We say, I was born this way. I can't get out of this. This is who I am. This is my identity. The good news is this. When you come to Christ, that identity is dead. You've been given a new life in Him. That old identity was nailed to the cross. You've been given a new life in Him. And as you go forward with Him you become awakened more and more and more to that new life as He transforms you into the image of Christ. As He conforms you into that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit that you get to participate in. And it only happens by His power, not your strength. But it comes through surrender. When we look at communion... Communion reminds us of the price that Jesus paid for us so that you could have liberty and freedom in him, so the the Holy Spirit could come and indwell you. Remember, he told us, it's better for you that I go, because my Father has a promise for you, the Holy Spirit. He's going to come, he's going to live in you, he's going to teach you about about me, he's going to remind you about all these things. He's going to transform you. He's going to empower you. It's better that I leave. But he had to go to the cross for that to happen. He gave us access by his body and his blood. And now you are recipients of a better covenant than what was there before. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come upon you. He dwells inside you. God says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's our job and our responsibility to live in an awareness of that. 
and to continue to surrender ourselves to him because this, this is his temple. It's his revealing in the earth. And he gets to transform us and conform us. We're going to take communion this morning. And as we do, I want us to really consider what Jesus' body went through for us. The weight of sin that he bore for us on the cross. Remember, he was sinless. He was without sin. He had no guilt. He had no shame. He had none of that. But he bore the weight of all of it for all time at one time. His body was broken. He... He was beaten. He was whipped. He was spat upon. Have you ever seen The Passion of the Christ? You might only need to watch that once. Because the, the visuals of what you see there are just gut-wrenching. Recognizing that he bore what we deserved. You deserve that. I deserve that. None of us is free from deserving that. But Jesus, who didn't deserve any of it, actually took it for us. His body was broken for us. When we look at the wine, we look at the, the grape juice. It's, it represents his blood that was poured out for us. A new covenant was made by his blood so that we might have access to the Father, so that we might be indwelled by the Holy Spirit, so that we could be one with them. What an incredible, incredible concept. But it's a reality. And it's all possible because of Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that your body was broken for us. I thank you that your blood was poured out for us and that you did that of your own volition. You volunteered for that to take place in you, by you, for us. We are forever humbled, Lord. Lord, help us to remember that our, our new identity is not one that the, the world forges for us or one that we have forged for ourselves, but it is one that you have made the way for because it is truly in you first, Jesus. Lord, whatever sin or whatever inhibition or whatever shame or guilt or whatever it is that we're carrying right now, Lord, whatever vestiges of an old identity we're still walking around in right now, Lord Jesus, I ask by your power that you would break that yoke because you said that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And so we exchange for what you have for us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your body broken for us and your blood poured out for us. In Jesus' mighty name, take and eat and drink in his name. If you're watching right now or you're here present today and you don't yet know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, we'd like to pray with you because it's as simple as you surrendering to him and saying, Lord, I want you to become the Lord of my life. Jesus, I want you to become the Lord of my life. I want to follow you. I want you to become king in my life. I want you to live and dwell in me. I recognize that you died for my sins and you rose again for me. And I choose to follow you. I choose to step out of darkness and into light. If you would like us to pray with you as you make that step into following Jesus, we'd love to do that. After the service here, we'll be over here off to the side. We'd love to pray with you there. If you are a Christian already, you're a follower of Christ, and you've been having challenges in following him, you've been having things that have been besetting you, and you've been having challenges in the transformation that he has offered you, 
I would love to pray with you as well. Because we'd like to see breakthrough in your life. Our vision here at our Father's house is this, that we would see a hurting world healed and we would see people launched into their destiny. God has a destiny for you in Him. And it starts the moment that you come and choose to follow Him. And as you follow Him, He prepares you and He forms you into that destiny and that calling that He has for you. There's a trajectory that He has your life on and we want to see that accomplished in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. I would love to pray with you. I'm sure Pastor Steve would love to pray with you as well. God is, he is rooting around down deep in our stuff. He's been doing that for, for about a year now, right? He's been drawing things up to the surface that he wants to, he wants to deal with in us. Because he is at work in us, transforming us and conforming us into his image. Keep journeying with us in this. Because he has great things planned for us. He has great things planned for the world around us. He has freedom. He has liberty. He has healing that he wants to bring to the earth. And the good news is, you get to participate in that. In his his mission. Also, if you need healing, does anybody here need healing in their body? Yeah? Just raise your hand. If you need healing in your body, just raise your hand. Look around to those who are around you with their hands raised. I'd invite you to just come and stand around them right now. Those that are around, those that their hands raised, come and stand around them. Listen, the Holy Spirit, if you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. He's the one who brings healing. We've been talking about Him all morning. We've been talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about what He is able to do in transforming. Hey, listen. We as the body of Christ are the carriers of that grace. So those that are around, those with our, their hands raised, you're, you're the ministry team this morning. You're the healing, the healing ministry team. So I want you to take a minute here and just begin to pray for those that you're around. Ask them real quick, what is it you need healing of? And then pray for that. Those that are are sharing what you need healing for, not a life story, give them a target, let them go for it, and begin to pray. And I'm going to pray for those that are here and those that are online in general. Just pray with me as we go into this. Father, we just release your grace for healing. Lord, we recognize that you, Holy Spirit, bring healing. And so we just choose today to align ourselves with you and we just command the pain that is there to go away. If you're online and you're watching right now and you have pain, you have sickness, you have a health issue right now, I just pray over that right now and just ask, Lord, that you would pour out your healing, pour out your grace, pour out your blessing, Lord, as we have seen you do before. All the different testimonies we have witnessed over time, Lord, that you would bring healing right now. Lord, that you would set captives free as we surrender to you right now. And pour out your grace. Hallelujah. Lord, it is by your stripes that we are healed. It is by your stripes that we are healed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Those that are being prayed for, I'd like you to test out, if you're able to, what it was that is hurt. That was weird. <laughs> How's it feeling? Do you feel any differences? Yes? Hallelujah. Got one over here. Anybody else? If you're able to test it, you're able to feel the difference. Do you feel a change? Yes? Hallelujah. If you feel a change, I just want you to, right now, and even if you don't, I just want you to say, thank you, Jesus. Just begin to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank him. He's the healer. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for every increment. We thank you that it is by your grace that healing is poured out. And we thank you right now that you are here with us right now bringing healing. Hallelujah.
Folks that are, are, are standing around, those that, are, that you're praying for, pray again. We like to pray again. If there's more that needs to take place, let's just pray again. Come after it again. Online, we just pray for you right now again. That the Spirit of God would meet you wherever you are right now, whatever time that you're in. It doesn't even have to be today. So don't feel bad that you missed this moment because if you're watching right now, this is your moment. Holy Spirit, we just ask right now for you to take away that pain, for you to set those things straight. You, Lord, are the bringer of peace. You destroy the authority that establishes disorder. And right now, we command disorder to be dissolved and order to be put into its place. We speak peace and good order over infirmity, over disease, over disorders, over pain. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've got somebody online who's watching right now that has endometriosis. And if there's anybody here that, that resonates with that word too, we just pray right now by the power of God. Lord, I just thank you that you have revealed that today. You've named this thing. And right now we come after endometriosis and the attack that it makes on a woman's body, on her reproductive system. Lord, I thank you that we've been talking about pregnancy today even in, in respect to having the Holy Spirit inside us. So Lord, I just speak right now by your power to bring an end to that endometriosis, that it would, it would shrivel up, it would dissolve every place that it touches in the body, every connective tissue that it's created and formed. Right now we break that thing in the name of Jesus. Any curse that's come from family lines, right now we break in the name of Jesus. I speak freedom, I speak liberty, right now in the name of Jesus. Pain, you must go away in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Okay, infection on the right side of the jaw uh, related to um, nerve endings and root canals. That just came forward. And if you have a left side of the jaw problem too, that's okay. We're going to go for both of those right now. Lord, we just pray by the name of Jesus, by the power of your name, Lord, to bring freedom to that person or those persons who are feeling that infection in their jaw from that root canal, Lord Jesus. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I command healing and wholeness to those nerve endings. I command that infection to go away right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go away. Go away. Fresh, new tissue in the name of Jesus. Swelling you must cease in the name of Jesus. I speak comfort over the jaw right now. In Jesus' name. And I speak health in the teeth that are around it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you receive something from the Lord today, I just want you to raise your hands. Raise your hands. If you received a healing from the Lord today, raise your hand. Hallelujah. 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 Wayne, do you want to come up here and tell what happened? By the way, this is the guy who... The Lord spoke to you this morning about freedom and surrender. Yeah, so, funny thing is, after I did that drawing, uh, suddenly there was a pain in my right wrist, just mm. excruciating pain that wouldn't work. And then several, a couple of gentlemen, I don't know who else, came around me and they prayed and I just felt the pain ease. And I was able to move my wrist, no problem. Will you pray right now for anybody else who has any pain in their wrist? Yeah. Could you pray for Tommy? Yes. So, Lord, I thank you for my healing. I extend that healing to those right now, whether it's a right wrist or left wrist, that you would just heal them right now, that you would just move upon them and restore the mobility. You would just take away any carpal tunnel, any issues that have caused this pain. I speak to them. I speak to the bones, I speak to the ligaments right now in Jesus' name. I command it to be restored in proper order as He had designed. In Jesus' name. Receive the healing. Let go of the doubt. 
surrender. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Wayne. Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. If you're online and you just received healing today, please leave a comment either on Facebook or on YouTube so that we can go back. We want to just rejoice with you and what God has done for you in this. For those of you who are still here, I would love for you, if you would like prayer for salvation or if you would like prayer in your walk with the Lord, to please come forward and I'd love to be praying with you. God bless you guys. Praise the Lord. Just give a shout of praise to the Lord right now for healing, for His grace. We just thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 With that, enjoy the rest of this beautiful day. We will be seeing you this week. Come back next week. It's Mother's Day. Get your baby bottles, and we're going to be starting off with that. God bless you all. Bye-bye.